0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here at Central this morning, whether you're on location here in Sioux Falls or you're watching online. We are just thrilled that you've joined us for worship this morning. My name's Tom Henderson, the founder of ResGen and the Res Gen Men Summit, which, by the way, men, it's gonna take place right here at Central Church again on Saturday, February 4th, so you're gonna to wanna to make sure that that's on your calendar. In addition to that... Uh, I'm also a member here at Central. My wife, my family, we've been coming to Central for over 13 years now. My wife and I also serve on the Central Youth Volunteer Team. So for the last 11 years, we've been coming and hanging out with about 700 middle schoolers and high schoolers on Wednesday nights. And then in addition to that, I also am privileged to serve on the Elder Board. And it truly is an honor to preach the Word here at my home church this morning. You know, one of the things that I'm so thankful for is that even though the majority of my childhood was spent growing up without a father in the home, God was so faithful in surrounding me with men that invested in my life. Men like Steve Meligard, who taught me how to hunt pheasants and helped me understand the role that long-suffering would play in my life as a Minnesota Vikings fan. (laughs) Men like Reed DeVries, who met me at the altar when I was just 12 years old at a Dawson McAllister conference and prayed the prayer of salvation with me. And then alongside Alan Kiesbow, who was my youth pastor, helped me grow in my understanding of who Jesus was and what it looked like to follow him. Men like Chris May, who took a chance on a 23-year-old kid and hired him to be the youth pastor at his church in Oregon City, Oregon, saying, you don't know how to preach, you don't know how to manage a budget, And you have no clue how to run a youth ministry. But I can teach you those things. What I can't teach you is heart, and that's what you do have. But prior to any of those guys entering my life, there was someone else that played a very key role. His name was Carl Alvin Ruby, he was my grandfather. He was also a devoted follower of Jesus and the owner of a John Deere dealership in Iowa. Now, Grandpa Carl taught me a lot of things that were of varying levels of importance. For instance, he taught me how to fish off the dock on the backside of his house at West Okoboji Harbor and then clean the bluegill that I had caught that day prior to putting it on the grill. He also taught me, with Wheel of Fortune playing in the background, how to play his favorite game, Rummy Cube, and how the only way that any of the other participants in the game would know that you're finished with your turn is if you would knock on the table, and if you forgot to knock, you'd pay for that. He also taught me how to talk like Donald Duck, which hasn't really proven to to be that important right now, but I do think that it's going to be valuable someday, like maybe when I become a grandfather, and I know that some of you are saying, is he going to do it? Is he going to talk like Donald Duck? And as much as I'd like to, I promised my wife that I wouldn't, maybe after the service. Maybe after the service. But perhaps the most important thing that I learned from my grandfather came from watching him visit with farmers and sell them tractors, combines, and other interesting equipment that a city kid like me knew nothing about. And what made it even more interesting to me was that I never saw him make the deals that he made with a written contract. But instead, with strong eye contact, a firm handshake, and a verbal commitment. Upon asking him one night over dinner about why that was the case, he just looked at me with his big gold toothed smile and he said, The needed paperwork will eventually get done, Tommy. But to me, my word is way more important than any contracts. My word is my bond. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a portion of Scripture that reminds me so much of my grandfather's mantra that I just shared with you. It comes from Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is giving his most well-known sermon. It's a sermon that in its entirety runs from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And it's filled with words and illustrations that gave his audience, which was comprised, largely made up of, of his followers, vision and clarity as to how they were to live their life as a follower of Christ. A life that was counterculture in the ways of the world. A life that was distinct with radically different values and ambitions. A life that has been transformed and lived in obedience to the Lord in every area of their lives. A life that was extraordinary, which just so happens to be series, the sermon series that we're in right now at Central. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't, there's a Bible provided for you, kind of in that chair in front of you. And we're also going to put the scripture on the screen. So no matter what, we got you covered. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 33. Here we go. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is, it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. All right, so let me just tell you what Jesus is basically saying in this little section of his sermon before we really dig into it together. What Jesus is saying is that if you are a follower of me, then what you say should be able to be trusted. That in a nutshell is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is giving a classic if-then conditional statement saying that if you are going to follow me, then you have to be trustworthy. Now, can you be a trustworthy person without being a follower of Jesus? Sure. I mean, we all have people in our lives that we know that they're not really following the Lord, but yet they still are trustworthy people, right? But here's the deal. At the end of the day, those individuals still have the ability to choose whether or not they're going to be trustworthy. It's their choice. But what Jesus is saying to his followers then and what he's saying to us here today is that if you're going to be my disciple, you have no choice but to speak truth and to be trustworthy. If you're gonna be my disciple, then that's not a choice for you. And the reason is because as followers of Jesus, we are to be a reflection of him and his character through both everything we do and everything we say. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia series and so many other great books, he says this. He says, every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Powerful, right? That's the purpose of being a Christian is to become a little Christ. And because Jesus is the truth, as he says in John chapter 14, verse 6, and the most trustworthy person who's ever walked this planet, in our quest to become more like him, which is the goal after we come into a relationship with him, our desire should always be to be people of our word, and people who others can trust. So today, I'm gonna share with you two, two key components. Okay, two components of what it means to be someone who is trustworthy. To be someone who lets their yes be yes, and their no be no. And the first one is this. Trustworthy people speak the truth with their lips. Trustworthy people speak the truth with their lips. And from the time we were kids, we've all been taught that honesty is the best policy, right? And that trust is the foundation of any healthy relationship. But the problem is that, that it's pretty easy for us today to write checks with our mouths that our bodies can't cash or make promises that we may not even intend to follow through in or embellish things to make ourselves look a little bit more impressive than we are. But you know what? This actually isn't something new. In fact, this same kind of thing is happening in Matthew chapter five. So let's go back, refresh our memories, and read it together again. Jesus says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. All right, now some of you may be asking, all right, Tom, what what is the deal with Jesus talking about all this oath and vow stuff? It's a good question. And the first thing that we need to know is that unlike today, taking oaths and saying vows was a common practice in the Old Testament, where people would call on God or on something higher than themselves to serve as like a guarantee to others that what they were saying was true. So they would say something like, with God as my witness, I will do this. Or I swear on God's head that you can trust that what I'm saying is true. The second thing that we need to know is that the, the oaths and vows that Jesus is saying to his followers that they no longer need to take, is they're not the oaths that someone would take in a court of law prior to you know, them testifying, or vows that a husband and wife would make to one another in a wedding ceremony. Instead, what Jesus is talking about here are those promises that people would make to the Lord or to others often with no intention to follow through. And the reason that Jesus brings this up is because, like they so often did, the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, had manipulated, or maybe a better word would be modified, they modified some of the laws that God gave to Moses in the Old Testament so that they could use them for their own benefit and really to accommodate their lack of desire to live in obedience to the Lord. So while the Old Testament laws, which prohibited making a vow and then breaking it, read like this, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. Or like this one in, the, in Deuteronomy, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you'll be guilty of sin. So while the laws read like that, the scribes and Pharisees devised a number of what Michael Green in his commentary calls escape clauses, saying that as long as an oath or a vow avoids using the name of God, then it wasn't really a binding contract. So as long as they said something like I swear on my head or by Jerusalem, or by heaven, or by earth, or by that goat over there that I will do this, or that what I'm saying is true, and they don't mention God, then it really wasn't that big of a deal if they broke their word, or said something that wasn't truthful. To which Jesus is like, are you kidding me with this? Are you kidding me with this? I mean, first of all, it is impossible. It is impossible to make an oath, without having God involved because God is over all those things and he created all those things, including the goat. And second, if you are a follower of God, then the words that you say should always be truthful and trustworthy, whether they are tied to an oath or not. Or let's put it into today's terms. Jesus is saying that the words we say and the commitments we make shouldn't need phrases like, I promise or to be honest with you. Not that we can't say those things, but that we shouldn't need to. Why? Because as men and women and students who are following Christ and striving to be a reflection of him and how trustworthy he is, we should always and already be people who do keep our promises and speak only the truth. In the book of James, chapter five, James puts it this way. He says, above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Or as another translation puts it, we don't need to add words like I swear to God to to our words. Instead, all you need to say is a simple yes or no. So let me ask you, as we all step into the self-evaluation chamber for a second, are you a person of your word? Are you a person of your word? Do you consistently speak truthfully to where others, and more importantly, God, would say that you are an honest person? That you are trustworthy? Or would you say that your level of honesty really depends upon the situation and is determined how it could impact you or, or how you are seen? For example, Last week, I was at the dentist office, and the hygienist came in, and she asked me the question, Tom, have you been flossing? And dentists and hygienists, can we just talk for a second? I think you know the answer. So, you know, you've already got us kind of in an awkward position. We're in the chair wearing a bib with the straw in our mouth. So can we just maybe avoid the question? Okay, so, but I get asked this question, and after being paralyzed for a moment, knowing I would be preaching on this topic the following week, I looked at her and I said, Yes. This week I have. Like a lot, like I was cramming for a test, like 15 times a day, gums bleeding in the whole thing. Or, gentlemen, how about this? When your wife comes and stands in front of you, and asks you, do these jeans or does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> and even though you know it says in, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19, that truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts but for a moment, you think to yourself, but this seems like a pretty important moment. <laughs> like one that could either save my life or end it. So you do the only wise thing that you can do in that situation. You act like you didn't hear the question. (laughs) And you walk out of the room as quick as you can. Okay, obviously, those are silly examples. But seriously, as you really think about it, are you striving to be a man or a woman of your word? A person of consistent integrity. And what's integrity? It's really just the quality of being honest and trustworthy. That's what integrity is. So at home, when you say that you're going to be home at a certain time, or that you're going to take your spouse out on a date next weekend, or say that you're going to spend time together as a family tomorrow, are you fulfilling that promise? And if you are, are you present not just physically, but but mentally and emotionally as well? Or are you answering just one more email? or just sitting on your phone scrolling through that one social media feed that you struggle to get off of? Teenagers, are you being truthful when you tell your parents what you were doing last night? Or why you got home past curfew? Or are you leaving key elements out so that it's not really a lie, but yet it's not totally the truth either? How about at work? Are you being completely transparent with customers? or shareholders or whoever? Or are you telling them half-truths or what you think they need to hear so that they'll buy more of whatever you happen to be selling? Are you being honest about your accomplishments with with your coworkers, with your boss, or, or your board members? Or are you embellishing them just a little bit in an effort to bolster your position or get what you want? How about in the classroom? Or on the college campus, or in the locker room. Are you speaking truth in those environments? Think about your commitments as a whole. Do you follow through with the commitments that you make and honor your word with those? When you say that you're gonna be somewhere, do you show up? Or are you making those kinds of commitments frivolously like the Pharisees did? and then having to come up with excuses as to why you couldn't make this meeting or, or that event or whatever family function you'd rather not attend anyway. What if we asked those same questions to those that are closest to you, to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers, to your neighbors? What would they say about you? Would they give the same answers that you did? Friends, being people of our word, who speak truthfully at all times, is not an option for followers of Jesus. It's a requirement. Proverbs 12:22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. But it isn't just about speaking the truth. It's also about living it out which is the second key component to being someone who's trustworthy. The first is that they speak the truth with their lips, and the second is that they model the truth with their lives. I don't know if you remember where you were on Tuesday, November 21st in 1995, but I remember where I was. I was in Burgess Hall on the University of Sioux Falls campus, Immersed in the sounds of one of the greatest albums of all time. And I say immersed because it was on this day that almost every guy in our dorm ventured down to Best Buy to pick up the newly released CD from DC Talk entitled Jesus Freak. And then proceed to play it at full volume all night long. And for those of you that are a little bit younger and don't know what a CD is, (laughs) it's this magical disc that was able to hold somewhere between 10 and 15 songs, almost a full hour of music that you could place in this weird thing on your desk. And then it would pump that music from the disc into these very, very large speakers in your dorm or in your home. It was amazing technology at the time. But the CD was filled with such great music and such great songs, including the title, Talk Jesus Freak. But one of my favorite songs on this album was called What If I Stumble. And it's a song about what happens when Christians make mistakes, what happens when we fall, what happens when we let people down, what kind of impact does that have on their lives? And the song begins in a way that I've never heard a song begin ever before because instead of just going right into the music, it actually begins with an author that was one of my favorite authors at the time by the name of Brennan Manning saying something that was very powerful. The song begins with him saying this, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips And walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And friends, this this was one of the biggest Pharisee issues. Not practicing what they preached and always being more concerned with how they looked, how they sounded, and being seen as great than with anything else. And how do I know that? Because Jesus tells us that in Matthew 23. Look at this. This is Jesus talking. He says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for the people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long, which were things that you would wear on like your robes to show how religious or knowledgeable or pious you were. They, long, uh, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Let me ask you, how many of you know people who talk a big game not on the basketball court or on the football field, but in their personal life, in their professional life, or most importantly, in their spiritual lives, and then they don't back it up. We all know people like that, right? How many of you have ever been one of those people? I know I have many times in my life. Or how about this? How many of you know people whose motivation for what they say how they position themselves in a room or, or, or what they post on social media is completely driven by their desire for affirmation or their need to boast about themselves or constantly be the center of attention. That's exactly who the Pharisees were. People whose motivation was more about look at me than look at him. People who talked a big game spiritually but whose play on the field of life didn't back it up. Which is why Jesus said what he said about them and why at the end of the day they weren't trustworthy and why people didn't trust them. I've heard it said that everybody has two tongues. You ever heard that? Everybody has two tongues. The tongue in your mouth and the tongue in your shoe. And while the tongue in your mouth can tell a lie, the tongue in your shoe cannot. In fact, the tongue in your shoe never lies. So let me ask you, do your tongues match? You see, it's, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's a whole another thing, a whole more important thing, to walk the talk, to walk it like you talk it. Ladies and gentlemen, how you and I walk out, how we walk out the truth of the gospel is so critical in every area of our lives, including our parenting, our marriages, our businesses, and in our relationships. And not only is it critical in your life, but it's also critical in so many other people's lives as well. Over the last several years, we have seen countless Christian men and women Leaders and pastors fall because their walk didn't match their talk. They were real good, real good at speaking the truth with their lips. But they failed in modeling that truth with their lives. And regardless of whether it was documented on a national stage or not, this has done tremendous damage to families to marriages, to churches, and to the kingdom of God as a whole, as those who were following them, married to them, working with them, living with them, were left in the wake of their decisions, feeling betrayed, taken advantage of, hurt, and wondering if they should really even trust this Jesus when his followers, who are to be reflections of him, weren't as trustworthy as they seemed. I know as you hear that, some of you are saying, Tom, that, that seems like a lot of pressure. Okay, that seems like you're putting a lot of pressure on all of us to, to like really be responsible for everybody else. Are you telling me that we need to be perfect? No, I'm not. In fact, we can't be. Okay, we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We can't be perfect, so we don't got to be perfect. We just gotta be honest. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my wife, to my kids, to my friends, or to others and say that I'm sorry for the way that I messed up. Because the way that I responded to them, the way that I acted, or the way that I didn't fulfill my commitment was not a reflection of Jesus. Or because my walk didn't match my talk. But you know what I've learned through those situations? I've learned that you actually gain trust and prove yourself as someone who is trustworthy way more during those times than when you, tr- when you try to protect your pride and don't own up to your mistakes, which again is exactly what the Pharisees did time and time again. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, I believe in your notes it says 1, uh, verse 11, so you're going to want to change that. But in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul makes a statement that I've just always felt is so amazing, almost egotistical at times as I've read it, wondering how could he ever say this when he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's a bold statement, right? I mean, I don't know that, that statements get bolder than that. Follow me as I follow Jesus. But you know why he could say it with such confidence? And why people trusted him when he did say it? It wasn't because he was perfect. No, he was human just like you and I are. He made mistakes just like you and I do. But it's because every single day, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he stayed focused on modeling truth with his life. And at the end of the day, that's all that God desires for you and I as well, that each day we would wake up and ask him for his help, to ask him that through the power of his Holy Spirit that resides in us as followers of Jesus, that he would help us be the husbands, the wives, the businessmen, the businesswomen, the community leaders that he desires us to be. That we would be trustworthy in every role that we have. That we would both speak the truth as well as live out the truth. That we would be the trustworthy people that he's called each and every one of us to be even when we don't think anyone is watching. In the 1925 U.S. Open, a golfer by the name of Bobby Jones accidentally moved his ball ever so slightly while setting up for a shot. And even though no one saw it, Bobby called the head official over and insisted that he be given a one stroke penalty for causing his ball to move. After hearing this, the official uh, left Bobby and went to go and, and confer with the other officials. Uh, he also conferred with people that were watching in the gallery, and he conferred also with Walter Hagen who was the the golfer that Bobby was paired with that afternoon. After conferring with all those people, the official came and stood before Bobby and said, Bobby, after speaking with absolutely everyone, no one saw your ball move. Are you sure that you saw it move? He was giving him an out. But Bobby looked at the official and he said, I know I did. I know I saw it move. And he took the one stroke penalty. Bobby Jones went on to lose the 1925 U.S. Open by one stroke. And by taking that one-stroke penalty, he proved that being honest and trustworthy was more important to him than anything, including winning a championship. And after being praised and congratulated for that honesty, he responded by saying this, That's like congratulating a man for not robbing a bank. I don't know how else to play the game. I don't know how else to play the game. What if that was our mantra for living the Christian life? I don't know how else to play the game. I don't know how else to live this life Other than by speaking the truth and living out that truth. No matter what it costs us. And whether we think people are watching us or not. Not because we have to. But because out of our desire to be more like Jesus every day we want to. And we choose to. How would living that kind of honesty, that kind of integrity, that kind of character change our marriages? Our homes? our businesses, our neighborhoods, our community? Or how about you make it just a little bit more personal and say, how would me living my life with that kind of integrity, that kind of honesty, that kind of character change my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my business partners, my workplace, my neighborhoods, my community, my relationship with Jesus? See, when Jesus said that we are to let our yes be yes and our no be no, it was a call to be trustworthy. And trustworthy people speak the truth with their lips and model the truth with their lives. So that being said, how trustworthy are you? In a moment, I'm gonna close our time here this morning in prayer, but before I do, I just ask you, what's God been saying to you? Maybe for some of you, you know that you haven't been speaking the truth in different areas of your life, and you're not honoring your your word to others in the Lord. Maybe some of you this morning has caused you to realize that like the Pharisees, you've kind of been modifying the commands or the boundaries that the Lord has placed in your life just a little bit to accommodate your lack of desire for full obedience, Maybe some of you have recognized that you're talking a bigger game spiritually than you're walking, and you haven't been modeling that truth with your life. Maybe some you've realized that, you know what, I really need to go to some people and apologize for not being honest, for not being trustworthy, showing them your humanity and vulnerability and your desire to grow in your trustworthiness. Maybe there's one, two, or ten of you in here that have been taking your commitment to Jesus a little flippantly, and that your yes to to Him hasn't been yes, but more of maybe a kind of yes. He's your Savior. We've accepted the gift of salvation, but if we're honest, is He truly our Lord? Is He your Lord? I'm just going to ask you, to just bow your heads real quick. I'm going to give you 20 seconds, just 20 seconds for you just to be with the Lord, to confess whatever it is that you need to confess to the Lord and then I'll close us in prayer. Lord, we confess that there are times in our life where we don't speak the truth with our lips, or that we don't model that truth with our lives. God, would you forgive us for that? Would you make us aware of that? Not just in moments like these, but in, in moments throughout our day. And then as we realize that, God, would be, we'd be quick to go to you in prayer and ask for your forgiveness and your grace. God, we thank you that when we ask for your forgiveness, when we ask for your grace, you give it to us abundantly. You don't hold back. We thank you for that this morning. God, would you give us the power of your Holy Spirit each day to walk in your truth and to live out that truth. God, we pray that as as in a few moments we walk out of this place, that we would be mindful of, of turning our Sunday into Monday and into Tuesday into the remainder of our week. God, may we say a statement each and every day of I don't know how else to play this game. I don't know how else to live this life than to be a person who speaks the truth with our lips continually and strives to live out that truth continually as well. Father, I especially pray for those that maybe are are struggling their walk with you right now and they know that their yes to you has not been yes, but it's been more of a kind of. God, would you just shower them with grace right now? Would you let them know that you're proud of them for being honest with you? And God, would you instill in them the knowledge that your greatest desire for them is to walk with you in a day-in, day-out relationship and where you help them become more like you today than they were yesterday. We love you, God. We love you. And I pray that as we get ready to head out of here, that we would go and Be the trustworthy people that you called us to be. In your name we pray, amen. Before you go, I do wanna let you know that the frontline prayer team is gonna be up here. They'd love to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life, whether it has to deal with this message or, or not. Um, but take the opportunity for that. Also, if, if, if some of you are like really kind of wrestling, what does a life with Jesus look like? I'd love to connect with you. We want to make sure that we give you some tools and resources that can help you know what it looks like to follow Jesus every day of your normal lives. God bless you. Thanks for being at Central this weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Have a good day.